welcome to Thursday edition of the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network or wherever you get your podcast. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. We've got lots to talk about. Sure do. We have the Thursday nighter. It is Will Levis versus Kenny Pickett. Oh, by the way, it's just an awful name for a quarterback. But I digress. Uh, Titans at the Steelers. We'll talk to Joe Rexroad from The Athletic, host of Robbie and Rexroad on ESPN 102.5 The Game in Tennessee. That is a mouthful. And we'll also talk to Will Graves, who covers the Steelers for Associated Press. Are you looking forward to this one? So what? Should he have been a first baseman or like a shortstop? That would like, have been a, a first great baseman. Great stab by like, Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Not a quarterback. Like, it, there's really not a worse name for... Like, the only thing that's worse that I've seen in football is the kicker whose name was Blewett. Man, amount of runs saved by Kenny Pickett this year, I tell you. Yeah. Oh, the the only thing worse than a kicker being named Blewett would be a closer. Oh, Blewett again. That's the only way. Okay, enough of that. It was the question, am I excited for this one? Speaking of names, we have... Will Levis, mm-hmm. which if you Google quickly because his body work isn't huge, it'll take you to often Levi's jeans. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of nicknames, do we go Billy Jean? Yeah, I saw that one. Did you? Oh, I saw that okay. one. That was good. That you was got good. into the Reddit as well. And I didn't like even I go. Did. I can't remember where I saw it, but I, de- I definitely did see it. Uh, it was in an article or something. Actually, Joe Rexroad may have had it, and that's where I saw it was on his timeline that somebody had uh, had tweeted that in. I'm going to try and see if I can find that because I know it wasn't so far down his timeline. Listeners, let us know. Do you like it, Billie Jean? You want me to start singing it? No. Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants it. Go ahead. No, I, no, no, I no. I certainly no. am not going to sing it. Okay. Uh, how about Will Levis, the denim delivery man? Okay. Nice. <laughs> uh, the stonewashed stallion. I like it. Uh, and this, the Billy Jeans was the one that was also in there. Pretty he, good. He needs to get a Levi's partnership. 100%. Like Brett Favre had one in his prime. Wrangler. Now, oh, right. Favre's Wrangler. Now we've got another big arm quarterback. Speaking of Billy Jean, hot take for you. Yeah. Oh, for once, it's you with the hot take. I'm proud of you. Let's go. Michael Jackson, overrated. Wow. Overrated. You know, I'm. I kind of agree with you. Thank you. I'm not a. I was never. I. I. I mean, I listened to it growing up, but it wasn't like. It was never one of my favorites. Like it was fine. It was fine. You know what? Keep Michael Jackson. I'll take Prince's catalog, and I'll have more cap space. Okay, if we're comparing mm-hmm. players. I just and really the story made TMZ because TMZ wasn't really taken as a serious news outlet, and then they broke the Michael Jackson death, and then people were like, all right, I guess we got to take Harvey Levin and company seriously. When he died, everyone was losing their mind or crying and whatnot. I was like, when is the last time you listened to Michael Jackson when not at a wedding? Like, is he in a playlist of yours in the car? You were making fun of him. Or a Halloween playlist. Sure. Great call. (laughs) Halloween playlist. You're making fun of him a week ago for holding Blanket the baby over a balcony. And looking like a complete psychopath in the process. Yeah, and yeah. and yeah. looking at his interviews from Neverland, and we can get into this questionable history of some of the lawsuits that uh, he found himself dealing with, or the fact that he, outside of a courtroom, was wearing pajamas and got on a 
car and start dancing with an umbrella. The point is <laughs> people acted like they were bumping MJ all the time when that's not true. Your kids in kindergarten sang Heal the World. You danced to him to get people on the dance floor at a wedding or two. And to your point, at Halloween, you would hear a song. Uh, is, who, which one was better? Pre nose job, pre bleach Michael Jackson or post of those Michael Jackson? I mean, it's pre. It's not a, it's not a question. It's I, not, I, mean, <laughs> I, I would say the, the Jackson 5 when he had some team. Uh, help when he had some support uh, another hot take for you oh boy this is it's thursday holy smokes relax michael jackson the second best recording artist in his own family wow janet jackson had more longevity well i mean yes but michael had other issues i'm just saying just saying i would i if if i'm creating a draft board of jackson's it's janet reggie no <laughs> Michael, Bo. Then we're, we're then we don't have a day one evaluation on any player, and then we go Tito, and then Jermaine, and then everyone else is off my board. Wow. Okay, I can get that. Uh, here's another hot take. Somebody's gonna. This is not a hot. Take. I'm just kidding. Uh, Michael Jackson's not dead. That would be the other hot take wow. that somebody would have if, out if, there. If, if you walk the strip in Vegas, then many people want to uh, tell you that's the case. Okay, so if you're gonna be there next week i am um and you'll be doing the show from there um i wish i was there with you i know you don't wish the same i'm uh, actually gonna be there uh sunday to witness the new raiders in person oh boy I, I don't, I don't, so the pierce era begins can we can okay so before i i was gonna i don't remember what i was gonna say but uh, did you see the raiders wished uh, jimmy garoppolo happy birthday on twitter today yeah hey you're a backup now hit the skids pal happy birthday Here's your present. I know these aspects of the business are isolated, often in literally different buildings, but football ops and, and social need to. This screams scheduled tweet that they forgot about. I would assume so. Or they just didn't think it was big. I mean, he's still part of the team, still part of the franchise. Is he, though? We still, we still <laughs> want to show like we support him, but someone should have said, maybe we. Ixnay on the. Yeah. Garoppolo tweet. Um, speaking of Vegas, I was, I've only been in Vegas once. It was a blast. Uh, I got chased by a homeless guy down the street in front of Harris with a Chinese food container. Like we had, he, it was, I saw him walk with it and he was, he was like showing it to my wife and I, and it looked like worms. And I was like, that's disgusting. So we started walking and he walked faster and faster to the point where I said to my wife, pick up the speed. We need to start running. The guy chased us laughing. Not the greatest experience on your last day. I I wasn't even in old Vegas at that time, which is where, oh boy, you get to the wrong part of old Vegas, baby. You can see some things. So you're saying your 40 time is good. No, it's just better than his. What was that line in the movie without a paddle? Why are you taking off your shoes? You can't outrun a bear. Nope, just got to outrun you. And that's the point. Okay, speak. Okay, let's get back into this, into the show. <laughs> Talking about ch- getting chased by a person of uh, less fortunate than I am. Um, the Bill Belichick tree, you wanted to talk about this. Not a, not a fruitful one. No. I, so the more I thought about the McDaniels failed... Second attempt at being a head coach, 
the more I thought it is a microcosm of the greater issues with the Patriot Way. Because the Patriot Way is really specific to one place, New England. And to, and to having one player, if we're being honest. Well, I mean, there's that part too, Tom Brady. It produced lots of great future coaches. But before it was the Patriot Way, the Browns Way, I suppose, didn't really work in Cleveland. No. And Bill Belichick came to New England and obviously off the back of what Parcells had built there previously, had success in New England. But his assistants haven't had success elsewhere. And they really haven't learned from their collective issues, or in this case, Josh McDaniels, their individual issues. What were Josh McDaniels' issues in Denver? He was not an incredibly imaginative play caller. He struggled with in-game management. He made some catastrophic and rash roster decisions, and he lost the trust of the building. He reportedly was someone who was very difficult to deal with, and it was his way or the highway. Let's just take that description. Sound like Bill O'Brien at the end in in Houston? Um, it, 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 does it sound like Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas? Does it sound like Matt Patricia in Detroit? They're falling symptom to the same issues time and time and time again, and that might work for Bill but if anything, you should learn is do as I say, not as I do. You're not Bill Belichick. Bingo. And you're not in New England. And Robert Kraft is not your owner. And Tom Brady is not your quarterback. So to think that you could go somewhere else and act the same way, all of you, and it's not even just in the NFL. Coach Charlie was a disaster at Notre Dame. Sure was. So all of you really not learning anything. We're talking about over decades. To me, we could say the same thing about the short stint of Joe Judge. And McDaniels twice. A lot of these coaches are not even making it to the end of the contract and just like, okay, we're going to move to a different direction. We need you out of here immediately. Like, you're not finishing the season, never mind the contract. Josh McDaniels, two times did not make it to the end of his second year as an NFL head coach. I don't understand how you go away. You went to St. Louis for a little bit, but then you went back into the incubator of the Patriot way in new England. And you really haven't learned But when you think about it, they don't grow and evolve and bring in other voices, other ideas. Josh McDaniel's staff, both on the field and in the coaching ranks, was full of former Patriots, mm-hmm. some of which One was the GM. were not current Patriots because they weren't good enough in New England. So the mm-hmm. thought that he was going to bring them to Las Vegas and rehab them, to me, just tells me that you want someone that understands this language over someone that actually is going to be effective at what they do in 2023. Okay, you ready for this? I am. Okay, here we go. Oh, boy. He's back. If I can get myself ready here in costume. Okay. I'm going to read out <clears throat> I'm going to read out the records of the former Bill Belichick assistants as Bill Belichick. Okay. Josh McDaniels 20 and 33. Joe Judge 10 and 23. Matt Patricia 13 29 and 1. Romeo Crennel 20 32 and 63. Eric Mangini 
33 and 47. Brian Dayball, 11, 13 and 1. Al Gro, 9 and 7. Nick Saban, 15 and 17. Brian Flores, 24 and 25. Bill O'Brien, 52 and 48. Overall record, 219, 305 and 2. My name is Bill Belichick, and I have surrounded myself with idiots. You kidding me? (laughs) Two-thirds of the people you just read won a third of their football games. That is true, Donovan. Thank you for pointing that out. That makes me the greatest coach of all time. Who are they playing this week? No, they're not playing Miami. They played Miami last week. Who is who playing? New England or Las Vegas? New England. Oh, man. How did I not know who they are playing this week? I should know this. They're playing themselves every week. If you well, that that is in itself the truth. They're playing. They're playing the Commanders at one in Foxborough. On to Washington. Sorry, on to Foxborough against Washington. You know what I I likened it to? What's that? I tweeted it out. You ever watch Spaceballs? Uh, I'm sure no. you know. Yeah. Of it. Yes, of course. Okay. Bill Belichick's assistants are like Darth Vader when they're under Bill Belichick, but when they go out on their own, they're like Lord Helmet. Same, same thing. Well, I just wonder when in New England, and again, Josh McDaniels had the benefit of Tom Brady. So who was the real offensive coordinator of that offense? Like probably Tom Brady. Just like we're seeing in Green Bay with Matt LaFleur. Well, and the funny thing is, you know who's a minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders? Tom Brady. If, sure is. If, if He should ask them to play. I, they might as well ask him to coach at this point. They, they better have him in the room when they pick their next quarterback because he was not a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo when they were teammates. <laughs> no, so, that he wasn't. It, is it because Jimmy Garoppolo was more handsome than Tom Brady? <laughs> he was a threat? Yeah. Maybe Giselle was like, mm, I don't know. Guy looks pretty good over there. And I make all the money anyway, so what difference does it make? Well, the reporting from Seth Wickersham and Don Van Atta Jr. at the time said that Jimmy Garoppolo was locked out of the TB12 training facility (laughs) because uh, Tom Brady. You must be this. You must be less than this handsome to ride the ride. If Tom Brady really wanted to bang the table for them to keep Josh McDaniels. I believe he's still head coach in Las Vegas. I don't, he's a minority owner, but you're bringing him in not for his cash. Yeah. No, for his no. cachet and his expertise. And to me, that is the damning indictment that this still happened given that Brady is for better words, part of that advisory board. So we shall see what type of sex success Antonio Pierce has, uh, where they go next in terms of the quarterback and the head coach, but the Belichick tree shows us historically that maybe Bill was doing a lot of the work for some of the assistants there in New England. Uh, Joe Rexford had to cancel. Uh, he had uh, a family issue to take care of. So we'll we'll discuss the Titans ourselves. But more on this conversation. Does that make the legacy of Bill Belichick better or worse? Because I kind of look at it two ways. I look at it as 
These guys were great in their roles and Bill Belichick was able to get the most out of them in their roles or they were incompetent. Bill Belichick did all of that. But then there's the other way to look at it is Bill Belichick did not do a great job of grooming these guys because what do you say? As a manager, you always want your people to succeed in business in general, right? So they get promotions here, promotions there. that reflects well on you as a manager. In this case, Bill Belichick oversees the entire operation there. Is this an indictment of Bill Belichick or is it more of like, well, these guys just, that's just not the job that they're suited for. Cause that, that does happen as well. For me personally, it's an indictment because I'm trying to think of a great coach that doesn't also have a great coaching tree, including the tree that pers- that Bill Belichick is a part of the Bill Parcells tree, which is obviously helped by Bill Belichick, but has great coaches along and all over the place, Dan Campbell being one of them. Nick Saban in college, who in a way is part of the Belichick tree, he has his own great coaching tree. Andy Reid Andy has a pretty great good. Uh, coaching tree. You, you go farther, whether it's... Uh, like the Mike Holmgren coaching tree which, which Andy it, Reed is which a, is branched a part with, of which is branched with Andy Reed and John Gruden but which is also part of the Bill Walsh uh, coaching tree uh, the Mike Shanahan coaching tree which technically Kyle Shanahan is starting to build his own and and so is McFay. all of the great coaches have a great coaching tree except for Bill Belichick who has coaches who've gotten opportunity but not necessarily been able to have close to the same success. Even you look on the defensive side of the ball, Mike Tomlin has a decent coaching tree Uh, to a lesser uh, respect, but there's still one. Pete Carroll has a decent one. Bill Belichick is terrible. Like you you have to really squint to find uh, someone who has had any sort of success. And quite frankly, the longer he's been coaching, the worse the the coaches he's produced have become. The funniest part about all of that is like, they've had no success, but Bill Belichick is three and nine in his last 12 games against former assistants. They know him. They know him. They know that way and that's it. But, but when you talk about, is that hurt or help to me? And I'm going to be honest, second hot take of the day. I know this is your third. Is it? What was the second one? Oh, Janet, Janet's greater than Michael's. Sure. I need to do a personal referendum on how I feel about Bill Check post Tom Brady because oh, it hasn't been pretty. No. And no, it, it you know what it's looked like? It's looked like all his other coaches elsewhere away from New England. And so whether it was the uh, signing of his co-offensive coordinators with zero experience a year ago whether it's some of the roster decisions that he's made, the lack of the ability to develop a quarterback not named Tom Brady, I think, to me, maybe he's older, maybe he's lost his fastball. Sure. But I was in the camp when they split. Oh, I'd always take the coach, the executive over the player. The player you can replace, the player is going to age being smart about football doesn't age. Ah, well, maybe it does. The the thing the 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 one thing that stands out to me with Belichick is 
once Tom Brady left the building, because I feel like I don't know Tom Brady at all. We know that. That's an obvious statement. But you guys want to hang out with Jim Nance together? No. 18 on your favorite course? Jim's great. Um, (laughs) When Tom Brady, it felt like Tom Brady could be a bit of a buffer between the rest of the team and Bill Belichick. And they don't have that guy anymore. And when you don't have that guy, your style needs to change. Because as you said earlier, you have to adjust your coaching style as things go on. And, And other guys have tried to do the Bill Belichick thing elsewhere. Like Matt Patricia tried to do it. And remember all the, all there was, was talk about how horrible Matt Patricia was at running a football team. Josh McDaniels, the same comments have been made about him. At some point, and maybe we saw it a little bit with Sean Payton as well, speaking of that Bill Parcells tree, do you get to a point in your football career where the game has the game and the style and the style of player and how they are has passed you by? Are we seeing that with Bill Belichick? And that's why after Tom Brady left, there was not that buffer there between the players and Bill Belichick. And that's why with a, a little bit of a younger roster, they've had a hard time adjusting. Or specifically, Bill Belichick has had a hard time adjusting. I think so. And when you talk about that buffer, for me, the modern day portion of history that has found success, although it's been a bit of a struggle this year, would be Mike Vrabel. And the difference between Vrabel and many of the other people that we listed is Vrabel played for Bill Belichick. So he understood what it was like to be coached by him and probably left that thinking, well, these are the things I liked that he did, but these are the things that I didn't like. And then in my next iteration in my football life, I'm going to apply things differently. We all, in a way, parent like our parents, but we were informed by some of the things that we liked that they did and some of the things that we didn't like. And so I think Vrabel is great for that. But when you think of Belichick and you think of his, for me, his legacy is that he was such a football historian, but he was actually very progressive and always a step in the head. Let's think about some of the things that he was known for using smaller, uh, agile edge defenders uh, to disrupt, you know, all of the outside runs and, and quick passes then I, why don't we just go all the way in and let's go instead of four, three, let's go three, four. And we're going to move these chess pieces around to formulate pressure on the defensive end. Then the cap changes and the way you play pay players changes. And it's really tough to one find and to pay a Vince Wilfork. We're not walking on trees. Okay. Well then let's go back to a four, three because the business of football dictates that's actually easier for us to build out a team on the offensive side, the the Patriots offense early was let's let our defense rest. It was screens. It was check downs. It was running the ball and leaning on special teams, a great kicker and the defense. Then as Tom Brady grew, he started to progress. He went five wide. He spread things out. He brought in Randy Moss, got more out of the player than the Raiders. Once again, another failure of theirs got from him. They've pushed the ball down the field and vertical. Okay, well, Moss leaves, you lose that. Let's play with two tight ends, and that's going to be the thing. The rules change. You can't hit the people in the middle of the field the same way. I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm going to have these two tight ends that I move around like receivers. No one else can do it. All right, 
one of the tight ends happens to go to jail for life, I'm going to make the one tight end I have left. He's going to be the number one receiver. And before Travis Kelsey was doing it, Gronk was the true number one in an offense with some really good slot receivers around him. He's always been a step ahead. Is he a step ahead in anything now? No. Mike McDaniel is a step ahead. Sean McVay, Kyle Shannon, they're a step ahead. I feel like he's behind. Andy Reid has changed what he's done. There was a point after you're leaning off of what Brady liked to do that they stopped iterating. They stopped evolving, and I think that's where we are now. Uh, got this tweet from uh, RB. Wouldn't it be the most Belichick thing to not help his assistant succeed elsewhere? Succeeding elsewhere means more competition to him, for him. It's actually a good point. Like, Bill's like, no, no, no. I want you to go fail somewhere. I don't I don't care what this looks like for my legacy. I got six Super Bowl rings. I, I don't really care. We're good. Um, well, I mean, the fracture of his relationship with Eric Mangini was Eric Mangini took a job in the division. And what w- did Bill do to retaliate? He filmed him. He yeah. filmed him. And Eric Mangini was like, Bill, I worked for you. I, I know what you're about. Can you please stop doing that? And he was like, no. So <laughs> No, I'm not going to do that. That broke down the relationship because he felt so disrespected. I mean, you know what? The I think that I agree about the offense specifically. Like, I just don't know what they're, and I don't. I know it's not all Bill Belichick. It's a lot of Bill O'Brien, but Bill Belichick's got final say on all this stuff. He may trust Bill O'Brien to an extent, but at the end of the day, Bill's like, no, we're going to do it this way. Um, so you need to adjust how you're going to call a game. And I agree. Like they they did a good job. Um, I think they should always rely on the checkdown. Wink, wink. Um, but it's funny how they thought that they could basically run the same offense with Mac Jones as if he was Tom Brady and Mac Jones looked very good in his first year. His completion percentage was high. He was not taking a ton of shots down the field. He looked good. He also won a game that year against your Buffalo bills where he literally did not throw. He threw the ball. What? Three times. Something like that. Yeah. That was a horrible football game. I've seen bad football games involving the Buffalo bills. That was a horrible football game. And I saw that Browns one where I, I want to say Derek Anderson had, he completed two passes, won the game and his, his quarterback rating was like zero. I'm pretty sure. And won a game, the snowball. It was horrible. But in retrospect, I don't know how great of a rookie season Mac Jones had. I think in again, well, it's better than what we've seen in the last two years, essentially. But I think it was better than what our expectations were. Sure. The formula for happiness is in life is results minus expectations. Average man is always at his best. We can do this all day. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff Merrick. <laughs> we saw him in a draft with lots of really coveted QBs. One of them in Trey Lance didn't really play. Mac Jones. How many of that group is actually good? Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, but early on, he was a disappointment. And that, that was part of the narrative around Mac Jones. Is Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer a disaster in, in Jacksonville. Trey Lance can't get on the field or, or stay healthy. Mac Jones, he's, he's, he's got some gamesmanship. He's winning. He's a winner from Alabama. And, like, no, the team won. The defense won. He didn't win. All of a sudden, you build in some internal improvement by the player 
and you think you can win with less around them, or you think you could just give them any coordinator and think that they're going to evolve. And then now we start to see the warts as to the league has film on you and can scout you. You don't legal, ha- legal film. Yes, legal <laughs> film. The, it, it, you don't have the same amount of resources around you. And let's also be honest. The, D, the division is better. Sure. The, the Bills have continually been good and been better. The Dolphins are much better. The Jets are better. So built in six times a year, you're playing better competition. Yeah. Uh, okay. On to a, a, a quick conversation about another quarterback, and that would be Will Levis, who starts tonight. You a believer? I got to see one more. The Falcons defense is, is not as bad as people think. It's actually decent. Um, and the fact that Will Levis kind of carved them up a little bit was, was impressive. We're going to see what he does tonight. The Steelers defense is a very opportunistic Ooh. one. No Minka Fitzpatrick though. And that's a huge opportunity. Uh, Cam Hayward is back. It looks like tonight along that defensive front, but the loss of Minka Fitzpatrick, who's out with the hamstring injury, that's huge. They keep saying Ryan Tannehill is this Ryan. There's no way if you're the Tennessee Titans that Ryan Tannehill can step foot on the field outside of an injury. And I would argue, even if there is an injury that it should be Malik Willis, that you should be trying to get the most out of because you can create some trade value. If he has any sort of success, you cannot do that with Ryan Tannehill. I believe is a free agent at the end of the year. Well, Malik Willis asked some different questions to the defense. You know, you can be a little bit more, elaborate with your play calling, put it in a package for him, you know, try to develop him as you win, which is the toughest thing to do in sports. I got to see more from Will Levis. Although those four throws were outstanding. They were just four. And there's some other that left a bit to be desired. He is one of only two QBs that in their debut had four TD passes and zero INTs. The other one, Marcus Mariota. How'd that work out? Literally, yeah. the only people who have done that have been number eight for the Tennessee Titans, and we were were all aboard on the train of Mariota because he did it in his first game against Jameis Winston when those were the two one-two picks in that draft. Jameis Winston's first throw was a pick six, and so we thought, all right, Mariota's actually the guy, and, and again, we saw... Turns out neither of them were. We saw how that, <laughs> that turned out. So I need to see more, but the good, bad, or indifferent... I think it's tough to tell anything with what he's going into tonight. At night, in the cold, in Pittsburgh, on a short week, in prime time. This is what the Pittsburgh defense has done to rookie QBs in prime time. Your boy Eric Zier, 37% completion, uh, zero TDs. Browns fans know him well. John Beck, your boy. And not the for, former news host, the QB, uh, 61% completion. That's pretty good in any era. Zero TDs. Uh, one Joe Flacco. Okay, I got that one. 52% completion, one TD. Jimmy Clausen, remember him? I do. Former Notre Dame guy. Correct. 44% completion and zero TDs. And Justin Fields, your boy, 59% completion, one TD. This defense has been scary against rookie QB specifically in prime time. Those terrible towels will be out. TJ Watt and company will be hunting the quarterback. I feel like Micah Fitzpatrick has a everlasting hamstring injury. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen that update on my phone 73 times in the last three years. Tough spot for the young QB. I'm real interested to see how he comes through. Uh, just a quick one because we don't have much time here, uh, and it may not be enough time. But uh, Mike Vrabel 
made the playoffs in three of his first four seasons. They were really good seasons. Uh, last year, not great. This year, not great. Is he coaching for his job or is this just the downward swing of the roster becomes Will Levis's team and Mike Brable is still, he's going to have, he's going to be one of those longevity coaches. Well, uh, Ron Carthon is the GM, which is not the GM that originally hired Vrabel. And as you know, GMs often like to have their guy. Unless the owner really likes the coach. That's true. I, I would say, I think he's good because remember the breakdown between Vrabel and John Robinson last GM is they had a different viewpoint on how to build the roster and who should be playing and, and what quarterback should be playing. So I think to the point about ownership, I think Vrabel won that battle with ownership, which is why he's still there. And so I think he's got some time. I would agree with that statement. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Will Graves covers the Steelers for the Associated Press. He will join us. We'll go through all of that. Uh, Kenny Pickett will be in the lineup despite the rib injury that he suffered on Sunday. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. This is the Fan Checkdown. We'll be back in a few. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. As we get you set for the Thursday nighter, and uh, I mean, it's going to be at least interesting. Kenny Pickett, and I'm a gambling man, Kenny Pickett has covered the spread in all six of his primetime matchups. All six, Kenny Pickett. I was surprised by that. I don't want to say all he does is win. Because he doesn't, but that's a very interesting stat. Uh, Will Graves covers the Steelers for the Associated Press, joining us on the line. Will, how are you today? Um, better than the Penguins. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a that's a very good one. Uh, it's very true too. Um, so I was mentioning Kenny Pickett six and zero against the spread uh, in his six primetime matchups. I believe he's five and one in those games. I think he lost his first. Uh, been very successful in those primetime games. He gets a pass funnel defense with the Titans who just traded away Kevin Byard. Um, but it was a lackluster performance, albeit in horrible weather in that game against the Jaguars. Where does the blame lie with this offense? Is it Matt Canada or is it Kenny Pickett or is it easy to say it's a combination of both? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think for a, quite a while it's been, well, it's Matt Canada's fault, obviously. And then I think we've seen, you know, as the season has progressed, that the quarterback has not taken sort of the step forward that certainly looked like he was ready to do during preseason and obviously with what he built towards the end of 2022. I think, you know, for example, last week against Jacksonville, yeah, the weather wasn't great. Uh, first Offensive snap of the game for the Steelers. Deontay Johnson is wide open in the middle of the field, about at midfield, about a 25, 30-yard pass. I mean, it's a little high. I wouldn't say it's really high. It's a little high. Uh, goes off of Deontay's hands. Would have been a big chunk play, which has been really hard for them to come by early in the game. And then Kenny never really, you know, it just takes him forever to get into a rhythm. Um, you know, and, and I don't think it's entirely because of the play calling. Play calling is certainly predictable. For example, you know, that first drive against the, the Jags last week, it was incompletion, six-yard pass, uh, incompletion, sack that included a holding penalty. 
you know, and then the second drive, it was two, it was uh, two runs and then it was an incompletion on third down. So, um, you know, I, it is a mixture of things, but I think like the blame has gone from like 99.995 to Matt Canada to more 75, 25. Uh, and, you know, like the weather wasn't great last week, but Trevor Lawrence looked pretty good. And, you know, he was 24, 36 for what, 270 and a touchdown and made a pass, you know, to, to Christian Kirk in between two defenders about 30 yards downfield. That is, you know, that Kenny just has not made. He has not made that throw uh, in his career. So um, I, I think, look, I'm not to here to say that the guy's a bust, but I think if you throw him 200 passes by week seven and you have five touchdowns and the guy you're playing on the other side of the ball tonight had four touchdown passes in 29 attempts in one game, not all on the, all on the coordinator. Well, Penguins fans certainly for a while thought it was as they were chanting for him to be fired during a hockey contest. Tomlin has been supportive publicly from what I've seen, but he's also said that we need to look at things and make changes. What exactly would that entail? And have we seen any changes? Not really. I mean, look, this isn't an organization that's not going to do what the Raiders did, you know, this week, where they fired that coach, they fired the GM, they, you know, they get rid of the offensive coordinator. Like, that's just, that's not the Steeler way, right? Um, you know, last year at the bye week, they came out and they talked about a tweak they made. They never, they never publicly said what it was. It was hard to think of schematically what it was other than just be more efficient running the ball, which is what they were over the last nine games last year, which led to that 7-2 and two surge. Uh, to, that kept them in the playoff mix until week, you know, 18, which was, which to be fair, was a heck of a coaching job considering they started two and six. Um, you know, I, he, Mike gives the same answers every week sometimes, and he even admitted it earlier this year. It's not even actually true. It's just something for us to talk about <laughs> during the week. Um, you know, so I sort of appreciated his candor on that. I, I think they are who they are. Um, you know, like Darnell Washington, they're, the third-round pick, the tight end out of Georgia, they had really high hopes for him. He can't seem to get on the field outside of running situations. A guy that big, you'd like to think you could throw him the ball every once in a while. That hasn't happened. Um, it is, you know, like the, the script is collaborative. You know, it's not set in stone, but it just it sort of looks like it. I mean, they look predictable sometimes. And even when they try to mix it up, and they did – tried to mix it up a little bit last week. Like it still was just ineffective. I think, you know, the, the shorthand is for the Steelers, better line play would lead to better results. I think, and myself included, I thought they were building a team that was sort of the yin to the yangs of the Dolphins and the Chiefs and the Bills of the world, a team that was going to get big up front and maul you. And, you know, they got Isaac Seomala from the Eagles. They draft Roderick Jones. They draft Darnell Washington. They have Najee Harris in the backfield. You think they're just going to pummel teams into submission. And, you know, that hasn't happened. And one of the reasons it hasn't happened is because defenses are stacking the line because they don't fear the quarterback. So, you know, Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada, somebody is going to have to learn how to earn the respect of opposing defenses. So there is a little bit of room up front. Until that happens, I think it's just going to be a slog. What is the feeling about the quarterback locally? Obviously, he played his college football locally. I didn't really understand the pick, especially when you have to replace a Hall of Famer, but I figured they're 
honestly in the same building as the pit staff. Maybe they understand more about the player and thus have a higher value on him than most. The preseason looked so good. I was bullish on that offense and that player, and then the preseason was a liar. What's the feeling from what you can tell, both in town but internally in that building on the QB? Well, in the building, I think, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so weird because he went here, because I'm, by, by here, I mean, because he went to Pitt, because he was, and he was at Pitt for five years. It wasn't like he was even, he transferred in and had a great season. I mean, he was there for five years, four of which he was kind of iffy, but then again, the talent around him wasn't very good and then had that obviously incredible year, his final season in 21. Uh, so basically the fan base is sort of divided. There's like sort of the, you know, the, the, the pit fans that bleed over and the Steeler fans that think, you know, Kenny is the second coming. And then you have Steeler fans who are a little more circumspect. And let's be honest. I mean, if the guy went to Iowa State instead of Pitt, I, you're, to your point, I'm not sure the Steelers draft him, right? But because they saw him mature over the course of five years, because they, have a, they were around him, exposed to him. And look, he is a tough kid. He has absolutely maximized his talent. He is a hard worker. He, you know, he is a blue-collar guy, which, you know, he's not as physically gifted as Ben Roethlisberger, but that certainly was Ben's M.O., like, during his career, right? Tough guy, um, you know, comes to work, kind of a lunch pail mentality, thinks he's a lineman. I don't think Kenny thinks he's a lineman, but it's like that same sort of vibe. They, they are defensive of him. I mean, look, it is his, you know, it's only in the middle of his second year, He's only 20-ish games into his career, so I think it's a little early to, to, to write him off. I think they have his back, but you would like to see results, especially when you see, like, look what Atlanta did. Atlanta handed the job to Desmond Ritter last year. They got halfway through the season, and they're like, eh, never mind. We're going to start Taylor Heineke this week, right? And obviously Desmond was a third-round pick, and they're, quote, a little more expendable than, than a first-round quarterback. But, it, it you know, you want to see progress. It's just, it's almost like they're trying too hard. Like it, 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 it is. It's almost like it's gotten in everyone's head. The, the, the criticism of Canada here locally has gotten oddly personal to your point. I mean, I was at the game. It was kind of Bedard's debut, you know, like we're against the Penguins where uh, they started chanting, you know, in the middle of the second period of a, of a one-goal game, right? They did it in the second home game. They did it again in – um, you know, at the game last Friday. So I'm sorry, last Saturday, it's, it's just weird. I was listening to a podcast that had nothing to do with sports and like Matt Canada caught a stray from one of the hosts in this podcast that had nothing to do with sports. And I'm like, where it's just, it's bizarre. It's a little bizarre. And I think at this point, you know, until they have that breakthrough and they have to show consistency, you know, it can't just be like the fourth, you know, like against the Raiders, they look good. And we're like, Oh, Hey, you guys have turned a corner and then they go to Houston and get crushed. You know, they, they have 191 yards in the fourth quarter against the Rams, and then they come out last week and lay an egg. Like, they're, like consistency, it, it's almost like a snap-to-snap thing with, with Pickett in uh, Canada. Like, every snap is a referendum on one or both of them at this point. Um, I think the Steelers are, have far more invested in Kenny than they do in the offensive coordinator. I would anticipate there being a change at the end of the season, even if they sort of muddle through and get to nine and eight and make the playoffs, I would have to think that there would be a change. Um, but with Kenny, you know, like the, the, the front office has a lot invested in him. And I think the players see how hard he works and have a lot of respect for him. At the same time, 
you know, when you have elite players in their prime on your defense, which is what the Steelers do, and, you know, you've got every game is a 20-17 to 17 coin flip, no matter how well the defense plays, can really wear on a team over time. So George Pickens has three games of 107 yards or more. The Another game, he has 75 yards. Everything else in the other three, 36 yards or less. Deontay Johnson back last week, 14 targets, uh, caught eight of them for 85 yards the week prior, uh, 79 yards on five catches. Who's the number one receiver here? Or is there one? Like, does one pro... I know Deontay is more of like a possession guy and, and George Pickens really does a great job of stretching the field. But if you had to say one is the alpha, who would you pick? Or, like I said, is there one? I think Deontay is more reliable. I mean, if you watch, and I'm sure opposing teams will when they watch their, their film, you know, you can kind of tell at the snap if the ball is coming to 14 or not. Like, you can just kind of tell. Like, there is a difference in him in routes where he knows he's like the primary versus routes where he knows um, that, you know, for example, there was an incompletion to Deontay Johnson in the end zone where Pickett threw behind him. There was a miscommunication. Pickett thought he was going to sit. Johnson kept going, so he came through behind him incomplete. You know, Pickens was on the right side of the field with Allen Robinson, and he jogged about two steps off the line of scrimmage, and that was it, right? So I think that, you know, from – a maturity standpoint, from a professionalism standpoint, I certainly think that Deontay is ahead and has more trust. But, I mean, George is, you know, he's remarkably talented. And, you know, he had five targets for one catch last week. The catch was a touchdown with, again, one of those really athletic plays where, you know, two guys are on him. One guy tries to hit him from behind. One guy tries to cut his legs out, and he just hops over the, he hops over the safety and walks into the end zone. So he is ridiculously talented. It's can you get that consistency of effort from him you know, like Antonio Brown was here for a long time before things went off the rails. A maniacal worker treated every rep as if it was the last rep of his life and, you know, is not as physically gifted as George Pickens. Um, so I really think that Pickens has got to learn how to grow up a little bit. He is the downfield guy, He, but he can, he can catch and run too, right? It's not just run 40 yards downfield and catch a lob. I mean, it's, we saw on the Monday night game against, you know, Cleveland, he, they do a little play action, hit him over the middle at midfield. He runs 50 yards. I mean, his, it was breathtaking how fast he separated from everybody. But Johnson is like that on every play. Johnson has that attention to detail in his route running, in his effort. So I think from a production standpoint and from a trust standpoint, Johnson is higher up on the food chain. But I think, you know, George is such a talent. It's so tantalizing. And he does need the ball more, but they also have to find ways to keep him engaged on a snap-to-snap basis. Yeah, he certainly oozes talent. I, I had him as a first-round grade when uh, when he came out of Georgia. He was just he was so electric. Uh, Will, thank you so much for taking some time for us today. Really appreciate it, uh, and enjoy the game tonight. Take care, guys. There he goes. Will Graves covers the Steelers for the Associated Press. George Pickens is just so darn talented. Yes, it's it's those circus catches. It's the speed, um, so amazing. But again, like if you don't have the quarterback, can can Kenny Pickett really feed both guys enough and on a consistent basis? Like Deontay Johnson was eight catches on fourteen targets last week. Well, and it's funny because Will makes a great comparison to Ben Roethlisberger and him coming along in Pittsburgh as a young player, and we forget. 
early Ben Roethlisberger wasn't the guy who was throwing it 30, 40, 50 times, chucking it. No. He was a game manager. He was you know relatively athletic back there, moving the sticks, doing just enough. But he had a roster that was ready to compete, and he just had to manage it. And he had some real players on the offensive side of the ball. That isn't the case in the same way for Pickett, except when you look at it, well, wait, they have a back that was drafted early. They had another back, Jalen Warren, who everyone thinks is really athletic. They've got now that Johnson's back, um, professional, every down receiver, and uh, picking someone who can make contested catches and make big plays. So there should be some explosiveness from this offense. The pieces are there for some reason. They don't all seem to fit at the same time. And that's not even including the tight end, which for me is in the upper echelon of tight ends we have in football. Yeah, you just got to get healthy. That would be the only thing. Uh, Okay, so I got a tweet for you. This one's funny. Okay, Uh, Leonard Fournette (laughs) tweeted, no lie, Buffalo colder than a penguin ass out here, Lord. That's very accurate for this time of year. Uh, Okay, let's get the best bets in for tonight. I'm going with the quarterbacks on this one. No Minka Fitzpatrick, so I'm going Will Levis over 202 and a half passing yards. Uh, Also going with, believe it or not, Kenny Pickett over 216 and a half passing yards. He's been over that total in five of six games that he finished. Um, And Tennessee is allowing 232 Passing yards per game. No Kevin Byard. They traded him away. Uh, prediction for tonight. Oh, this is tough. I got to go Pittsburgh at home. Yeah, I'm going Pittsburgh at home too. Will Levis covers the spread again. Be 7-0 and in primetime games. Getting produ- producer slash technical operator Austin Mackey so much closer to a higher draft pick for his team. Could happen. All right, we got we to gotta jet. Uh, thanks to everyone. Austin behind the glass, Donovan across the table. I'm Matt Marchese signing off for the fan check down on the Sportsnet radio network. We'll talk to you tomorrow.